Welcome back to another episode of People Are Product. My name is George Brooks, and on today's episode, I had the pleasure to talk with Art Johnson. He's the CEO of Infinity Systems, Inc., and the author of Art of Alignment, a data-driven approach to lead aligned organizations. Art just has so much knowledge and experience in aligning teams around purpose, aligning teams to move together, uh, as he says, about putting the oars in the in the water at the same time, that rowing team analogy. And I, I loved that all the way through our conversation. Um, his team and himself have created uh, two systems, Orgometrics and Equimetrics, which really create a powerful approach to measure organizations' uh, alignment and then their drive towards their purpose. Um, our conversation took a couple different paths towards you know, uh, the conversation around diversity, equity, inclusion, as well as really understanding purpose and just the hard, challenging, but good work it is when you can get a team aligned to do this great work that we all desire to do. So I think you're going to love this conversation. So let's jump right in. Art, thank you so much for joining me today. I want to just hand it straight to you. Tell me a little bit about yourself, your story, and um, kind of what you what are you thinking about these days? So I, uh, I grew up in the, the Twin Cities, and um, as you know, as of late, there have been quite a few things going on that uh, have warranted national attention, international attention for that matter. Yeah. And so I, I just think back of, of growing up as a kid, uh, integrating a grade school, those life experiences, the needing to, uh, uh, to connect in some ways, assimilate as well, then rolling the tape forward and beginning the, the process of, of, of going on to college and then building a career from there. I moved up the ranks pretty fast. Uh, I was able to um, to have a fair amount of success early in my career and, and really parlay that into some interesting opportunities. Namely, uh, at IBM, they paid for me to get my master's, which I did at the at St. Thomas University. Uh, this is again, after having graduated from Drake University for my undergraduate work. But but then as I continued to, to evolve in terms of my management leadership responsibilities and and uh, was recruited away by U.S. West and mm. uh, Regional Bell Operating Company, I think now known as CenturyLink. Um, I was an officer of, of that organization, broad responsibilities, sales, marketing, operations, some finance and whatnot, and maybe about 2,500 employees or so, a couple billion dollars worth of revenue responsibility. And the challenge there was how do you get everybody on the same page? So I had mm -hmm. always been kind of tinkering with this concept of organizational alignment didn't quite have the term yet, but but wanting to get everybody on the same page from uh, having participated in sports and being part of some some pretty phenomenal teams, seeing some interesting things happen when everybody drops the oars in the water at the same time. So um, I, the process by which I kind of went was a lot of trial and error. And then uh, I got a little bit more technical about it when I landed at Medtronic, which was my last corporate stint in serving as vice president of sales. And I was keen on this concept of getting everybody on the same page because I came to Medtronic with this thing called purpose, George. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing I think we're gonna probably hone in on, on today is the concept of bringing your, your full self to the job, which requires purpose. And so when we think of alignment, it's clinically described as the strength of harmony between strategy, structure, and culture. But I would argue that if you take engagement and you add this thing called purpose to it, you get alignment. And my purpose at Medtronic was 
to uh, address healthcare disparities, drive performance, and, uh, and, and ultimately um, serve our, our patients and our customers the best we could. So in that, my father died of sudden cardiac arrest. He had a Medtronic pacemaker. If oh, he wow. would have had a defibrillator, he'd still be alive. So this is, you could argue misdiagnosis or whatever, but unfortunately for people of color, you are five times less likely to get the appropriate therapy mm. um, given the fact that you're showing signs that, that ultimately need it. So the fact that these healthcare disparities exist brought real purpose to my work and why I was so passionate about, about achieving real success. And by, by driving that level of alignment within my organization, we ultimately were able to uh, increase top line revenue 13% year over year in a flat market. And George, wow. I'll tell you, that's really difficult to do yeah. for a company that has 55% market share. So that's a quick one and a half minute to two minute description of how we got here, but that's it, my man. That's incredible. Incredible. Okay. Well, I want to dig deeper into that. So you talked about this, this connection between engagement and purpose. Yep. You know, when it, you, and of course, this overarching conversation around alignment, how, how do you, especially in a larger organization, how do you actually align, you know, that many people into what the actual, what that, that core unified purpose is? How, how does that take place? So George, you, as you know, I wrote a book about this, The Art of Alignment. And the concept here is it's a data-driven data approach to lead aligned organizations. The concept there is that there are nine constructs of measurement. So as we think about becoming a more aligned entity or organization, it needs to be clear what the mission and vision is. We need to be clear on what it is. We need to be clear on how we contribute to it, how we measure our success against it, so on and so forth, which requires communication, which is the second element of alignment. And these aren't in a particular order because depending upon where that organization is uh, determines where we need to focus our time and attention. So of course, some yeah. organizations are outstanding at communicating. Uh, others, it's a challenge. And so what we do, George, is we measure each and every one of these nine constructs. We're able to figure out where the areas of occlusion or opportunity are. And, and then we can begin to address those. Each of the questions that we ask is actionable. And then they roll up into this thing, what we refer to as an orgometric score, which Ooh. is a score between zero and 100. And the more aligned an organization is, the higher its score is. And what we know specifically is the more or the higher the score, the better the organization performs. When you go in to do this, this initial assessment, when you're kind of um, taking inventory, if you will, who's involved in that process? I, I mean, I assume leadership at the core, but who else... Um, who else are you taking that assessment with? So I probably do. Uh, so to answer your question directly, it's both. Uh, okay. we, we certainly work with leaders within the organization to make sure that they're aligned. Uh, and then we, we like to measure the entire organization because part of the exercise here is, is not only figuring out is the leadership team aligned around mission, vision, values, but are they effective at cascading the message? Mm -hmm. Are they good at selling the vision? And the degree to which they are will allow these ideas and the actual mission to permeate the organization. And so what we see, George, and I'll just get real granular here for a second. Yeah, please. We can zoom back up as appropriate. What we know is that uh, a leadership team is general, generally around 74, 75% aligned, which means 25, 26% of the organization at the leadership level, I'm talking about those that report directly to the CEO, uh, are misaligned. Mm -hmm. 
And so the key here is, is to figure out where those areas of misalignment are, because what we know for sure is misalignment breeds more misalignment. So let's take the next rung down. Each step down the ladder from a, a corporate or organizational hierarchy, by the time we get to the individual contributor level, we're at about a 14% level of alignment, which means wow. we've got 86% misalignment. And this is not to be confused again with engagement, because let's face it, George, uh, at Medtronic, our engagement scores were off the chart. Yeah, right. Right. So we kept seeing the engagement scores scale, but the performance kind of moving up and down. And so there wasn't a real strong correlation. What we know is that alignment is a better predictor of outcome and performance than engagement. So in, in order to measure it, we got to make sure we've got the right constructs of measurement. And our psychometrics associated with orgometrics are extremely tight. So I'm curious, what's what's the most common misalignment? Where the where the where do you see? And this is and like you said already, it depends on the organization, right? Whether it's it's through their communication or their clarity or or you know those other metrics, but where do you see is a pretty common? You're not surprised that's that status quo that this is where people are not coming together. So I'm going to say this to you, and it's, it, it'll make a ton of sense, but cronyism drives a lot of this. So if we've got uh, a, a bunch of people uh, at our leadership team level that are cronies and whatnot, and some of which are good at cascading the messages and, other, and others aren't, uh, we, we keep the other ones on that aren't as good at it when the organization is screaming for that. Uh, because they're, again, uh, friends and people that we've known for years and mm -hmm. fishing together and who knows what. So part of the exercise here is, is eradicating that cronyism and really looking for leaders that are good at pushing back where appropriate, but also getting on the same page where appropriate, and then ultimately driving the message. And the outcome of that is misalignment, which is reflected in a lot of different ways. You know, you'll see uh, things like uh, voluntary turnover mm -hmm. uh, go up amongst your high performers. Um, you'll see things like uh, uh, customer satisfaction surveys uh, tend, to, tend to go down. Um, there's a lot of different things that, that we can point to that, that look like misalignment. But at the end of the day, these things can quickly be rectified once we've identified where to focus our time and attention. Do you find, do you, do you find that there's pushback on this? Is there assumption? Is there, is there a gap between where people think they are versus where they actually are? Yes. The short answer to that is yes, but I would also add to that and say to you that uh, the, it requires a degree of courage because what yeah. it is, is it's a, it's a reflection of, of leadership mm -hmm. and the degree to which we can find where uh, misalignment exists. Now we've got we've to do something with that. And so now I know where my problems are. I know where my challenges are. I know where my opportunities are. And uh, now I have, to, I have to act on that. Or I'm just going to sit with my arms folded and either reject what I see uh, or, um, or, or just allow the, the, uh, uh, dysfunction and, and misalignment to continue. It's, and it's not like it gets better by not yeah. taking action. How, well, let's go, let's go through that it, to a certain extent, how, how much pain, cause change is, is always going to be pain, painful, almost always. Um, there's a series of pain, right? And when I, I use the analogy of working out, when you get back in the gym, right? You have to experience that, that fatigue, that muscle pain, that man, I think my heart's going to pop out of my chest feeling before you actually get to the point where you start to see real results. And Excellent. the same is true with any organizational structural change or any, any, any organizational alignment. Um, how much are, 
pain are people really willing to go through to, to get to this type of result? Everybody's different, George. You know, uh, some people can go through it. Uh, many times you'll see uh, a macro environment, you know, element change. And, and next thing you know, the industry is growing like crazy mm-hmm. or uh, an, an initiative actually takes hold. And next thing you know, you, you gain a bunch of market share or uh, a competitor has a, a, a mishap. And all, all of a sudden this opportunity lands in your lap because of not anything that you've done, but a misstep of the, by the competitor, uh, a pandemic hits. These things have, a interesting imp- have interesting impacts on organizations. And sometimes we land in a good spot and it's just a fortuitous bounce, right? Yeah. And so yeah. as leaders, we oftentimes get caught up in the fact that, well, it must be a function of me leading properly or us you know, engage what in I did. Right yeah. kind of initiatives and, and this sort of stuff. Whereas um, the real solid leaders, they, they grab this thing, uh, and they measure it and they, they take the, um, uh, the, the information seriously, act upon it. And what they end up finding is that one, there's a ton of opportunities for uh, improvement and growth. But then also uh, when you become an aligned organization, mm. when you face those economic downturns and things, again, that macro environment on the negative side impacts, you are much more equipped to tackle them. So I want to go back to purpose. Let's kind of come back up here a little bit. We started off with you having the opportunity to say kind of the context of the world that you've been in. And of course, the world that we've all experienced in the last year, right? Or a year and a half now, gosh, the time is irrelevant. It just continues to, to happen. How important is this right now for organizations? As you start thinking about leaders stepping into this, I, I, we have to get aligned on our purpose. We have to start measuring this work and actually start moving towards change and results. How important is it now more than maybe ever? Well, now uh, decisions are happening so quickly or, or they need to happen so quickly because of uh, technological change. You know, people have access to information uh, customers have access to uh, information, competitive uh, uh, sort of uh, responses to whatever it is that, that you're putting into the marketplace. And, and, and so now uh, people are able to access this information, make informed decisions uh, in, a, in a way that we weren't able to in, in years past. Mm-hmm. So we have to be able to pivot quickly as an organization. We've got to get everyone on the same page. Um, the other thing is, is if you think about the, the biggest advocates of what it is you do are those employees that get out and talk about specifically what it is that uh, you're about as an organization. And so when they're at cocktail parties or uh, at the pool with their kids and they're talking to other parents or, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. what things are they saying about the organization and, uh, and its ability to really drive the mission and, and vision home? A lot of these things, you know, bring better employees into the organization. They create a sense of belonging within. Uh, but then also, it's one of those things where you have a lot of conf- trust and confidence in these type of organizations so that you may either want to do business with them or refer somebody else on. So this word of mouth thing is more powerful than ever because of social media and all of that. So the degree to which you can put the right stuff out there and back it up with action and have data to substantiate it, like the space in which we play, um, is 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 pivotal. How much, when you're working with organizations, purpose is one of those things that I feel like is on a spectrum a lot of times with some organizations, where where they will they will say, well, yeah, we have a purpose, and it is to um, produce more of the product we make and to increase our our margins around that production. 
Mm-hmm. How much are, is the narrative of purpose shifting over time? Is it, is it um, with, with whether that's the context of the world we live in, society, culture, or within just, like you said, the word of mouth, the nature of what motivates people, how much is that purpose changing um, from what you can tell? So I can tell you from a, a certainty perspective that for me, uh, purpose was everything. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want anybody to experience the loss of a loved one like I did. Uh, literally in my arms uh, mm-hmm. when it could be prevented, right? Mm-hmm. So that was that was hit, you know, square on with me. Yeah, yeah. But when you talk about millennials and and you start looking at these Gen Xers, Gen Y, Gen Zs, purpose is everything. And these these individuals vote with their feet. Mm-hmm. So when they feel like this purpose, the purpose of the organization doesn't align with their own. And uh, they, they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, they leave. And, and many, they'll give all kinds of reasons as to why, but, but at the end of the day, um, when we peel the onion back a, a few layers, we learn that a lot of this has to do with, with real purpose. And the way uh, employee, employers, excuse me, treat employees uh, is also an important part as well. So it's not just directionally where we're going, but what is the experience that all employees are having when they work in these uh, environments? one of the conversations we have a lot on the podcast is about perspective. So the kind of original um, hypothesis of this podcast was to say, we believe cross-functional, cross-purpose, cross-perspective teams are actually able to achieve more because you're able to make decisions faster because you have more diverse views at the table. Mm -hmm. How much is that playing into whether it's at the leadership level or out throughout the organization alignment, when you have diverse views, which we all will say, to ourselves or to each other. Yeah, of course, diverse views are great, but then diverse views are hard, right? And it's hard to figure out how do we both be aligned and also have diversity of thought at the same time? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so so what's interesting, George, you bring up an interesting concept. In writing the book, The Art of Alignment, we, again, measure these nine constructs. And what we learned was that as by virtue of measuring alignment, you're also measuring misalignment. Mm-hmm. And what we found was that the you're, you're generally speaking, not every organization, every single time, but more often than not, the misaligned individuals fell into certain categories. So if you looked at those that have been most disenfranchised mm-hmm. within the organization, pick the group, demographic group, you pick it. Uh, if they felt marginalized to some degree, they also were misaligned. You'd hear statements like, that is your mission. That is your vision. That's not not mine. And so now you don't have everybody leaning in and you're not benefiting from what diversity you have. And so uh, it led us to create another instrument of measurement, which we call Equimetrics, which specifically measures diversity, equity, and inclusion through the lens of cultural competency. So how competent is your organization at accepting the thoughts, views, ideas, opinions, of those that don't necessarily look like you, worship like you, love like you do, all those things, um, how accepting are you of those? And if you Mm -hmm. are accepting, then at that point in time, we begin the process of becoming more culturally competent. We start getting uh, more participation. You know, people are more included at the discussion at the dinner table. Um, And now we we get these diverse ideas. It drives creativity, which leads to innovation. And wonderful things begin to happen because the energy goes up within the organization because now we are all on the same team of the same, of the same accord, uh, on the same page, you know, all those other metaphors that, that speak to 
us performing as high as we can based upon the level of participation we have. You, you talked earlier about this idea of there's the cronies, which is a pretty common, we see this a lot as well. We'll go into an organization and we'll be like, why is this person still allowed to be here? <laughs> they're, yeah. they're obviously um, usually the naysayer or the person that's you know always kind of trying to drive a, a riff into something. And you go, I, I like the challenger. I like the person that's going to maybe mix up the views, but they're obviously just doing it for the sake of power or for, out of fear or whatever that is. What that 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 is one example, and that's a pretty common, um, I think, complaint among both uh, individual contributors and leaders. What are other problems? Where do you pe- think people are getting this wrong? Um, you know, there's there's always the opportunity to say, ideally, this is where it is done right, but where do people continue to get it wrong? Well, I think the tendency is is that. Uh... <laughs> You know, I, I don't know anybody other than the circle and sphere of people that I've come to know. And those that think and look and behave differently than mm-hmm. I do, uh, I'm not close enough to. So I, I wouldn't know them enough to consider them as a candidate for a particular role. Or I reach inside my desk and, and lo and behold, the only resumes that are available to me are those that I've held on to. And I've held on to them because uh, these are people similar to me, and I connected with them a little mm-hmm. bit better and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the, the, the cycle continues. So uh, I th- we have to be very intentional about this. We have to be uh, intentional about this concept of, of diversity. We have to go to places where diverse people are, and uh, we have to be able to have dialogue with those individuals. But equally important, George, we have to create an environment that's inclusive so that when we bring them in, uh, they don't experience organ rejection. Yeah. So uh, all these things are elements of aligning the organization appropriately. Are we looking for better ways to do what it is we do? And one of the ways that we do that is through best practices. And if we're rounding up our usual suspects, like the sheriff of Nottingham, well, guess who we're going to get, right? (laughs) We're going to get the same culprits and we're going to get the same outcome. So we've got to get extremely purposeful and intentional about one, driving alignment. And then as we look at best practices, we've got to be contemplating uh, our, our practices around diverse uh, candidates and individuals that can contribute to our organization in ways that we may have never considered before. How much of this is a, a um, short-term game versus a, a long game, right? So there's, there's this idea of how much of it is you, you've got to put those quick fixes in now, because the reality is, as things are changing so fast, you're, you're going to be irrelevant. This, one of the things that we say at Crema is, is if we look the same two years from now that we do now, yeah. we're on the road to being obsolete if we're not already. Right. And so how much of that is I have to change quickly now versus I need to invest in this change that I understand might take us 12, 18, 24, 36 months, but um, it's important to start planting the seeds now. How much of um, the speed factor of this plays in? Well, you want to move as quickly as you can, because let's face it, you know, if you have high-performing employees and you don't want to see them walk out the door, because that's mm-hmm. a ton of resources that leaves and the speed of change and, you know, and how fast marketplace shifts and, you know, market share leaves and whatnot. Yeah. You want to hang on to that as best you can. So you want to you want to move as quickly as you can. Uh, the other thing is is that culture doesn't move that fast. Mm-hmm. It is it takes time and a concerted effort to really drive culture, culture shift. So we've got to really be cognizant of what it is that we we want to achieve 
We've got to be diligent about achieving it, but we got to get on with it. And so the, the ability to measure where you are in some of these soft skill areas, which we have historically not been able to measure, now we have a way by which we can get at specifically these nine constructs that I outlined mm. and, and now begin to fix and solve some of these things. We get to cultural shift faster. Mm-hmm. The beauty of that is, George, is that when there's a strategic plan change or there's change at the leadership level within the organization, the culture stand stays on. And so yeah. the, the fact that we take the time to really drive the kind of culture that we're looking for as leaders and fully imbue that in the organization, it has sustainability. So the speed of that is a function of how intense and focused leadership is but then to to the degree to which they can drive accountability that's consistent with directionally where they're trying to go is what makes these things happen faster. And that's so powerful. I mean, because the reality is, is it it comes back to that level of discomfort, right? How, how much are you willing to step in to say, no, we're going to make this change and we're going to make it quickly because the implications are happening tomorrow. They're not happening in 18 months. Um, Right. That's, that's really, really powerful. What? George, you said something, that, yeah, go you ahead, said something that, I, that I think we need to, we need to just uh, make sure that we illuminate. Please. Um, if, if we're going to make that change and put a stake in the ground that directionally, that this is where we're going as an organization, uh, the message has to be sent in a couple of ways. One, leaders have to kind of walk the talk, right? Mm-hmm. This is, you know, so policies and procedures, they need to be consistent. They need to be upheld. They need to be um, uh, equitable throughout the organization. These things are important because the minute you show favoritism, cronyism, these kind of things, your credibility shot and yeah. organizations move at the speed of trust. I like that period. So the fact that the lead, the leaders can be trusted, we know directionally where they're trying to take us is a good place. Uh, they're walking the talk. The last piece of this, this, this puzzle here, I shouldn't say the last piece, but one of the other things that I think that we have to consider is are we, what are we doing to eradicate that cronyism that we're talking about? Mm-hmm. And that requires intentionality. Mm-hmm. I, one of the, I was on a, a webinar recently and one of the things we were talking about is I had asked my team, what makes Crema unique? What, you know, we, we attract talent here. We're not a, large, a massive organization. We're about 50, 55 people. Um, and the, the, the only response she could, she had was, you know, we're doing all the things that the books say to do. We're just doing it at 11 instead of as, at a two. Right. And so there's so many organizational leaders that go, yep, check the box. I did that. I, I read that book and said the right things at that, that, you know, quarterly update and check, 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 check. Uh, what's the problem? Why is it not working? And it was like, <laughs> because you haven't done, you have not been willing to turn that dial up to 11 to say, no, we're going to step into this intentionality where this is, this is going to be hard, but it's going to be good. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to be hard and scary. And like me now have to be a posture of fear. It can be hard and the results are going to be good. You're going to start seeing wins. You're going to start seeing successes. And Oh, by the way, you're going to start seeing people that are in that they're, yeah. they're in, you know, and they're ready to do this. Um, so cultural shift is hard because what yeah. you have is a bunch of people saying things are fine just the way they are. Why are we changing? Yeah. Yeah. Now, how do, you, how do you fight that one? Right. And some yeah. of those are even your high performance people. Yeah. You know, I, I just a quick aside here. I, uh, I coached football for a number of years, uh, my kids and stuff that played and, you know, I described, uh, kids as nines, tens or elevens. Mm-hmm. And so, and the way that I kind of got at them, when you said 11, I, I knew exactly what you're getting at. I just said that, 
uh, and this is me speaking to the parents. I said, you know, when I ask the kids to do 10 push-ups, uh, there's some kids that, that are looking up to see if I'm watching and seeing if they can get away with nine. Right. Others are just knocking out the 10 push-ups like I asked. But occasionally we get a handful of kids that, that end up doing 11 because right. they want to get stronger. So I asked the parents, which of those kids do you think is going to play the most? Right. And that is so applicable in everything we do. It's, it's weird. It's interesting because there's such a juxtaposition and I don't want to get too kind of philosophical or cultural on this, but there's a juxtaposition between the, um, the world being handed to us. And so we get lazy and comfortable, and especially in a Western context, we get very, very comfortable. Like, and we like, we want our houses to be bigger. We want our cars to be bigger. We want our chairs to be more comfortable. We want things handed to us as much as possible. Yet we're driven by a purpose of change. And so oftentimes these can feel like they're in, um, in tension with each other. But I, I, we have talked about the fact that with the organizations we challenge to move forward, or, or we kind of talked about, we dare them to move forward, right? Um, when they see the results of the change, suddenly the comfy couch didn't seem quite as appealing. You know, it was more like, oh, this feels good. For instance, today, my wife and I, we just celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary, literally today. Congrats. And thank you. And um, um, we like to go do things. So we went on a bike ride. So we rode, I don't know, 25 miles, which for me, I'm a cyclist. I love to get out and I could go a little, a lot further and a little bit faster. But for her, that was a long ride. And um, at the end of it, it was just like this sense of like, oh, I did not want to do that, but I'm so glad I did. And how good that feels to actually step into um, pushing yourself beyond what you think you're capable of. And I think that's what you're saying. This work of really aligning around a purpose, actually getting people on the same page, actually moving an organization into this cultural change and into this change that actually will bring in diverse views. It, it's act, you're going to, you're going to be excited about it. Once you start to see the effects of it. That's, that is so true. That's so true. And the momentum that you get, the excitement around mm. it, the success that comes along with it is infectious. Yeah, that's good. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Reed Hoffman's the founder of LinkedIn uh, um, and he, one of his things, and you went back, um, you said organizations move at the speed of trust and his definition of trust is consistency over time. So if you're consistently doing what you say you're going to do and actually practicing what you're preaching, that goes back to your kind of authentic, authenticity of, you can expect when I say this, I'm going to do it as well. Um, those, are, those are really powerful things for leaders to step into. Otherwise, people don't believe that you believe in your purpose. You know, I, I, I define trust along those same lines as I alluded to earlier, uh, I, I, but I equate it to predictability. Mm-hmm. So mm -hmm. how can you trust somebody that's unpredictable? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so the, the antithesis of that is, is predictability. So uh, it, it's just that simple. Uh, now, the question is, can I align around that predictability? That's, yeah. that's the question that I have to ask myself as an employee. And so now I, I, I can look at an organization and, and I hate to say this, George, but in five minutes with the leader, I can get within a 10 point uh, radius in terms of guessing where they're going to land as it relates to their orgometric score. Sure. I mean, you, you can see it mm -hmm. and you could, or you can even feel it. I don't know if, if that's the right way to put it in there, but you can, you can feel it. And I think if it goes again, goes back to that favoritism where they're saying, I'd rather just stick with those that have always been like me. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I can trust them, you know, I, and all that. 
but you know, unfortunately, the organization suffers. They they look at you. Yeah. They they don't have the respect that you think they do. And and some interesting things come out of these these uh, instruments that we push out and get that that feedback from the organization. I think that's fascinating. Okay, so what what's something you're excited about? You know, this is something you're pushing into a, a tough conversation with mm-hmm. um, with leaders that are have a lot coming at them right now, but. What is something that gets you excited? Maybe it's just that you're starting to see a shift or, you know, um, or maybe it's, it's the book itself or the, the validity of all the work that you put into something. What's something that's getting you excited about the future? Well, I, I'm particularly excited about the endorsements that we got. In fact, uh, you know, Larry King was one of the biggest ones, you know, the late Larry wow. King. And so, uh, in fact, I was going to be on that show, but uh, oh. it's just unfortunate that we lost him. What a, what a yeah. great man. Yeah. Um, and he, so the, the, the endorsements, I'm excited about that because they, they said some things that, that really resonated with the work that went into this and the intentionality around it. And so I, I'm particularly excited about those that have the desire to drive real alignment. And so uh, Wendy Davis, the rowing coach at the University of Minnesota years ago said to me, you know, alignment is everything. So much so that if one oar is off by three one hundredths of a second, it's the difference between winning and losing as wow. we get further and further along related to leveraging social media technology, uh, a boom, all this stuff is making it such that there's less room for error. And right. so we have to get to a point where we are really aligned as an organization. And, and like I said, dropping those oars in the water at the same time. I love that analogy. Um, I love the work that you're doing. This is, this is really, really exciting. I want to give it back to you. Where where can people learn more about this intentional work, the the work that you're doing, or about your organization or your book? Well, so I definitely uh, grab the Art of Alignment. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, available uh, Amazon. Uh, you certainly go to Barnes and Noble or wherever you get your books. Um, also, uh, visit us on our website. You know, orgametrics.net. O r g a m e t r i c s dot net. And uh, if there's some interest in the uh, cultural competency assessment. Uh, Equimetrics is the one that uh, I'd, I'd ask you to take a peek at, and that's uh, Equimetrics.net. E Q U I M E T R I C S.net. Art, I love it. Uh, like I said before, thank you for the work that you do. I know that you probably have yourself in some rooms where you're going, man. Come on, wake up, people. There's 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 such a better way, and uh, but I, I love that you're leaning into it, and uh, I'm excited. I have your book on order. Uh, I'm excited to read it myself and share it around. We're we're book nerds here at Crema, and so when when one person gets excited about a book, it immediately gets shared across the organization. So you'll get a, a lot of readers, and um and and really, I love that you're stepping into the, that intentionality, turning it up to eleven, um and uh, you're getting people aligned. Thank you for doing it. George, thank you for the opportunity to tell our story. Thanks, Art. This episode of People of Product was produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Gabby Caton, Julie Branson, and Alexa Alfonso. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.